On another Friday morning, kind of a cloudy, rainy, chilly morning. Not a good morning to run out of gas, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> Yard Garden Live with Nicole Stoner. She's a Nebraska education educator over in Gage County. Going to help you solve your problems from bugs and critters and rots and spots, whatever. We call it Yard and Garden Live. You just need to call 402-729-3383. And uh, here she is, the lovely and talented uh, Ms. Nicole. Hi. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm dandy. Good. You might be looking at your clock going, uh, tardy, tardy. Oh, the, just two minutes. That's not bad. No. I think we started uh, uh, right at 10. According to the big clock on the wall, we're actually three minutes past. Oh, shoot. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, tell everybody who you brought today, Nicole. And then after that, explain why. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I brought with me Graham Herbst, and he is a forester with the Nebraska Forest Service. So welcome. Thanks for coming. It is so good to be back. Yes. Thanks for having me. No problem. So uh, be, before we be, before we open the uh, phone lines up, 402-729-3383, um, I'm only assuming you have a, a regular type automobile. <laughs> uh, or do you... It doesn't run on anything special at all, no. But I, I pulled an amateur move today. That's all right. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I cover half the state. I never have less than half a tank of gas in that truck. But, but dang it, I was pushing it this morning. You weren't too far out of town, but I had to come get you. <laughs> Ran out of gas on his way to Yard and Garden Live, folks. Yep, I'll, I'll own it. I'll uh, own it. <laughs> so you get the, the good and the bad sign from... Uh, from Old Red 99.5, yeah. This is awesome. That, that's a, I got that in my office because I ran out of gas. And so I've owned it now for quite some time. I don't even want to see it anymore. This is like a tradition. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I feel like I've got to really watch my gas gauge so yeah. that doesn't happen to me. You, you don't want to run out of gas not on your way to Yard and Garden Live anyway. Thanks for uh, having me, guys. You yes, bet. Yeah. Coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 402-729-3383. And uh, Will, I guess probably one of the things on a lot of people's mind is uh, man, oh man, are we done with the cold weather, huh? Gosh, I hope so. Uh, I, you know, I claimed in March we were done with snow. I, I had made a, a like proclamation, uh -huh. and, and then lo and behold, Mother Nature doesn't listen to me. No. Um, so fortunately, it wasn't too much snow, um, but definitely, if you didn't cover some things, you might be seeing some problems. Um, especially like um, some of our flowers that maybe had just set their buds or mm -hmm. were further on along with their budding. Um, I worry about the peonies. If yeah, my peonies look pretty, pretty poor. Because the, the buds were starting to set yeah, on. And yeah. so that's where the concern is. And we have the same concern in our trees, but they'll, they'll be fine. They'll grow through it. They may, you know, push some, uh, like hackberries will do that sometimes where they'll push out leaves and then they'll drop them and then push out again. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so you might see some of that kind of situation this year. Probably, yeah. I mean, flowers are the, the, uh, the attractive part, but not really critical to right. the, the tree's health itself or right. lots of other plants either. Right, and it, with the peonies, they'll, they'll survive. Right. They just may not bloom. Maybe they might bloom some, maybe not as much as normal. Maybe you won't get as big of, of blooms, mm -hmm. uh, maybe no blooms at all, but you'll still have the plant. It will be just fine. So if uh, 
if you go out to a, a peony bush that you have and it's it's the flower bud is bent down uh do you just going to leave that alone or are we going to go ahead and cut that off or are we just going to wait and see i think i would just leave it alone and see how it um fares through you don't want to do too much um to these plants you know pruning and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. you want to give them a week or two to kind of recover before you're doing that um, kind of like what i've said with the boxwoods they're having all kinds of problems this year and i said you know oh, wait yeah. till mid to late may before you do too much because you want to allow them to recover as much as they can before you go pruning all that out um but you know so so most of our plants perennials and things like that they're going to be fine they may not flower they might not be as pretty but they're going to survive now the problems we're going to see would be like if you had any annuals out um, or maybe some tender perennials you know ones that are on the edge and you didn't cover those uh, and some of your uh, vegetable garden plants if you had some cool season crops out they're cool season they're not cold season <laughs> yeah yeah mm -hmm. and it'll so. be interesting to see whether or not uh, fruit trees perform any differently right, you know? right. Th these these cool temperatures are nice as long as we don't get a a warm spell in the middle of that that kind of snaps mm -hmm. everything out of dormancy so right we did have some 70s you know a couple weeks back yep, yep. so whether or not plants were responding to that or not is going to determine mm -hmm. if they're in a, a tough spot now yeah I, I hadn't seen if the peaches were blooming yet um and yeah. those those are the ones that always get hit by a late frost yeah um, so yeah. I know the pears were though. So uh, Randy, you might, oh, yeah. you cut yours down, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. I couldn't oh. do it. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> so I you said, may this not have a... to step on all them pears this year. I don't think so because I mean, <laughs> it was in full bloom. Right. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm going now. I'm glad I didn't cut it down this year anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I can't remember, I, and this sounds horrible, but I, I, um, I can't remember if my apple trees had bloomed. I don't think they had. I think I had a few calls that they maybe had bloomed uh -huh. or were maybe just thinking about blooming. So maybe yeah. just starting to, to bud out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and uh, last year there was, um, I had looked at a guide and I could, um, maybe on a commercial break, I can find the website for that. But there is a guide that kind of goes through like based on how much that bud is opened mm -hmm. and how cold it got. Um, uh, what kind of damage you'll see so, yeah, it, so it really it, it depends on where that blossom is in the development stage as well as the how cold right okay so. yeah i just i can't remember you know we're doing some construction and we uh don't really have our back door anymore and i we do now but during the i i know when the uh the, the pear was in bloom but uh, I can't remember seeing the apples trees in bloom, and they're dwarfs, mm -hmm. so I don't think they bloom on the same. You know, the crab apples were pretty much in yeah. full bloom, and yeah, uh, yeah the wild plums. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, some of yeah. that kind of stuff. Red buds were too. Mm -hmm. um, except still mine still isn't blooming. Yeah, <laughs> I, I you know I have a cherry bush that was in full bloom too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the about the apple. But anyway, and if they were really far along in their bloom, mm -hmm. you know, the flowers, it it pro it may still be okay. Yeah, you know, best to let the plant sort it out and tell you it where really the damage is. is. Probably really a good is. idea. I go, I I always go back to the fact that uh, just about all of these country cemeteries that uh, don't get a lot of attention, maybe uh, all of the peony bushes mm -hmm. that have survived out there. Oh, yeah. 
years and years and years, and they really, I mean, you talk about a lot of them just being completely ignored, but yet every year they, mm-hmm. they pretty much can take care of themselves. And Yeah. yeah. It's so. that quintessential uh, cemetery right. plant. Right, Boy, no kidding. right. Because it blooms around Memorial Day usually, mm-hmm. depending on the weather. Long-lived. And so that's what yeah. they like that, and yes. And the mower can kind of brush right up yep. underneath it and yep. get the grass that grows yep. up yeah. to that's it. True. That's yeah. true, that's true. Yeah, it's perfect. 402-729-3383 is our phone number on Yard and Garden Live. If you'd like to call, uh, have a question about anything, uh, now would be a good time because we do have open lines. 402 402- Seven two nine three three eight three, and uh, here is Rose from Beatrice calling early today. Hi, Rose. Yes. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Good morning. Rose. Good morning. I need to need to talk to the tree guy. Okay. I, here I am. What can I do for you? <laughs> well, I'm afraid I know what you're going to tell me, but there are two kinds of trees I would love to be able to grow. Okay. One is a dogwood tree, and the other one is a birch. And you said you're you're in Beatrice? Yeah, right southeast of town. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a number of dogwoods that you can do just fine with. You're probably familiar with some of the shrubs that are out there that have those really yellow or really red stems. Uh, but you're right, probably talking right. about more of that flowering dogwood, that beautiful small ornamental tree. Yeah. With kind of the, the, mm-hmm. the whitish flowers to it. Uh, there's, I know there's one in Beatrice. I watch for it every year, and it's just fabulous. But I don't see any others around. Yeah, they, they do come in a pink flower as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is flowering dogwood. Um, it may be difficult to find in, in your nurseries. I, I'm not sure what, if any of them carry a, uh, dogwood around here, but certainly worth looking for and finding and trying out um, at your place as well. Uh, birch, I also think that you can do fine with. We used to really enjoy the European white birch. But now we're finding that there's a, a boring insect that's native to North America that really wrecks havoc in that tree being from somewhere right. other than here. So stick to uh-huh. your river birch or paper birch, and uh, you can do just fine. One thing, okay. I'll men- one thing I'll mention about birch trees is that it's a pioneer species that likes to establish a forest. It's not as well suited to be planted as an individual. So, mm-hmm. okay. so, so consider planting a couple or at least a clump form of it. Uh, birch, mm-hmm. birch really enjoys sun on its shoulders and shade on its feet. It wants nice, cool, uh, fairly moist soil. It, you don't need to keep it wet all the time by any stretch, but it's not going to want to grow out in the open where it's really exposed and dry. Um, it's going to be much happier in a grouping with a cool soil. So uh, in both cases, um, the birch and the um, flowering dogwood, would they be better suited uh, growing as an understory tree? Yeah, flowering dogwood is more of an understory tree. Birch is much more uh, or much less tolerant of that shade, but can tolerate some amount. Just know that if there's shade on one side or the other, that that birch is really going to kind of want to reach and grow more towards that light source that's more ideal for it. We call that a photo okay. phototropism, um, where the, where plants grow towards sunlight if it's not you know, evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. But the okay. dog, but the dogwood, you can sure do as an understory plant with some other more mature trees around it. 
Great, great. Yeah. Well, I was afraid you're going to tell me just not to even try because they don't do well here. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I think they're well worth a try. Just get have a little bit of a protected <laughs> environment for that dogwood. Um, keep okay. it out, keep it out of the north northwest uh, winter winds if you can, and uh-huh. uh, it should do fine. I think. Great. Well, thank you so much. And yeah. I did get a little bit of asparagus cut this morning. Yay. But not much. Oh, <laughs> mine are just starting to come up. And and also, could you tell, where is this really nice dogwood that's in Beatrice located? About 17th and Lincoln Street. All right. Beatrice has a number of beautiful trees around town, and uh, I want to check that one out sometime. Yes, yes. When you drive by and it's in full bloom, it's kind of hidden behind the house in the garage. Oh, okay. It's tall enough. That when it's in full bloom, it's just wow. I, I bet it's a popular tree around town. It is for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. All right. Uh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's Rose who creeping on trees. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. <laughs> we all do that a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. There's a there's a really nice um, linden. It's like a giant linden. I think I took you to it one time mm-hmm. in Beatrice, and it is amazing. It is so big. It is probably one of my favorite lindens yeah it's just so massive and they allow the branches to come all the way down which is really cool with a linden a lot of times we you know um kind of branch them up you know cut those bottom branches so we can mow under them Mm -hmm. but they allow this one to come down and it's it's amazing tree and it is huge yeah like a big gumdrop yeah i have never (laughs) seen a linden that big it is just giant and it is cool yeah four zero two seven two nine three three eight three if you have a <clears throat> a question uh now would be a great time to call 402-729-3383 we're um, uh, visiting today with uh with our guest or nicole's guest graham herps i just always stutter that last name a little bit it's like you kind of gotta say it but kind of leave it out it's like yeah, german is a real herbs. guttural kind of language yeah, right yeah. it's herbster yeah. yeah. you know something yeah. like that I, I think he uh graham didn't you uh, you actually wrote a song it was called sunshine on my shoulders and shade on my feet <laughs> it was a beautiful little ballad if i remember right i think i had to credit uh you know the original uh, uh sunshine uh, on my shoulder Sun- sunshine <laughs> on bit. my shoulder guy huh you you stole a little bit from him huh a little plagiarism yeah. there uh graham i'll give credit where it's due uh, uh, 402-729-3383 and uh go ahead well i was just going to mention randy you know what next friday is uh, Arbor Day. It is Arbor Day. Yes. And that's why Graham is here because, you know, we have to have a forester right, right, right. up at around. And since we're not on the, sh- the air next week because you're doing the St. Jude's radio, Th- that's right, which is great. That's right. Yeah. Um, but so, so Graham is here to talk about Arbor Day because that is you. next Friday. Okay. You bet. So and it's uh, a great time to start planting trees. And I also wanted to mention, you know, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of people who uh, have most of the trees I that I, Anyway, that I've, I we hear about or I hear about on Yard and Garden Live that are having trouble are generally the firs and the evergreens mm-hmm. and the pines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if anybody out there has got any questions to do with the with those type of trees or any tree really, mm-hmm. uh, now would be a great time to call. But uh, uh, between Graham and Nicole, they can. Uh, tell you pr- probably pretty much what's going on and if there's anything you can or should do for it if you have a tree that might be you know, stressed out or not looking well. Yeah. Um, 402-729-3383. Here is Diane up in Western with a question. Hi, Diane. Go ahead. 
Well, I have a question about an autumn clematis. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Uh, I, I used, uh, or we had one of these metal gazebos, and the top blew off. And so I'm trying to make a butterfly garden out of this thing. And I plant, planted these autumn clematis on the outside where the legs are. I have four of them on the corners. And I can't, it trails up to the top, and then it just forms this big bunch. And somebody suggested putting chicken wire over the top and letting it creep over that. But first of all, i got to weed out the stuff that looks dead. Can I just cut that clump at the top off? I mean, it's all intertwined. and Or should I wait till it actually all comes out with leaves and see what's dead? As I remember, uh, sweet autumn clematis is a perennial woody vine. Mm-hmm. It may be sort of tenderly woody <laughs> with some dieback, sort of like a it, butterfly bush does. It tends to die back quite a bit. I know um, my be- my year. beauty berry is like mm-hmm. that also. You get the okay. the nice stems on it, but but they may die back about halfway or so. Mm-hmm. And that could be what's going on with your clematis. But like Nicole was saying earlier, best to let that plant push leaves and show you what's dead before cutting off too much. Right. Okay. I mean, so, and this clematis, all, well, all of your clematis will do that where um, oftentimes maybe through the summer, the top is still green and growing, but like that bottom piece is kind of brown. And I think they get yeah, a fungus. Looks like um, it's dead. I mm. think they Part get a it. fungus uh, that that is kind of difficult because you know clematis. It well, like you said, it grows this big clump, right? So it's not getting good airflow, and so it tends to have some problems with that. So you could try a fungicide on it too um, in the spring. Mm. Just you know, a, a copper fungicide apply it a couple times and that might help Mm. as well but like graham said it could just be like some normal dieback and so you want to wait and see where the leaves are showing up yeah before you you get too excited about it okay i will do that how big is this natural then for it to top half to sort of appear dead yeah it kind of is that way yeah when it gets when it gets really tight like that there's not a lot of air circulation through and so you can get different fungal problems sometimes growing on the leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big is the structure that you're growing them on? I mean, how tall? Sure, yeah, or how wide? I'd, oh, I'd... probably six foot. Okay. I'm just wondering whether and, maybe and you have too many the plants. Top and then the, from, from the six-foot top, then it angles off up to the center. So right. Right. I'm... Probably seven to seven and a half feet in the actual center. It might be uh, that you could do just fine with, with half as many. I know you want those growing up all four legs, but uh, maybe mm-hmm. it's just too much vine, and so they're growing all over on top of each other as well. I don't know. Just something to consider. No, they, no, they aren't touching each other. Oh, great. The four, okay. the four are separate. Very good. There's room for six. There are six legs mm. on this thing, okay. but I just did the four corners, not the two in the center on each side. Well, last so question. And it's got lots of airflow. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing restricting airflow, or I don't. I don't think that's the problem. I, Good. I just it wasn't trailing that metal like I thought it would. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and it might need a little bit of when it bloomed, but towards mm-hmm. the fall, it just right. sort of. Yeah, have have okay. somebody get up there on a on a ladder and kind of train it a little bit more, and you might get the results you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Are, are you seeing the butterflies coming? 
you planted you planted this to get lots of pollinators and stuff. You've been seeing lots of butterflies and oh yes, very nice. That, that's why I wanted it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Good deal. Mission accomplished. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Diane. You bet. And I tell you what, uh, great calls. Keep them coming. We'll be back with more of your phone calls on Yard and Garden Live right here on Old Red 99.5. It's Yard and Garden Live back with you on this Friday, <laughs> the Friday before Arbor Day. Huh? Sorry, don't put disco on. You got us bopping. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get Donate to bring the disco ball in, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, we, uh, we, before we mess around and completely uh, lose our way here, we have a call. Uh, this is Rick in Beatrice. Hi, Rick. Hi there. Go ahead. Um, you, you, I have a I have a question. Um, we're putting in a flower garden in the south side of our house, and uh, it's brand new flower garden. I mean, we just got the dirt in and everything ready to go, and we bought a bunch of new perennials to put in this flower garden and a bunch of ground cover. Um, can you tell me if this is a good time to put that in this weekend, or do you think that would not be a, a wise choice? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think um, looking at the weather forecast, I think we're past the the real cold stuff. Um, and I think I, I don't know what did I see like forties, like forty eight. I think was the lowest temperature I saw. So new plants, you know, you don't want them to be um, through what we just had. But I think now we're we're pretty safe. Usually I go with like late April. Our frost free date is like the twenty eighth ish of April um, mm-hmm. for this area. Um, but I like to go with you know, for like a vegetable garden, I always go with Mother's Day because it's just an easy one to remember. And yeah. it's usually very safe, except for last year. Um, but <laughs> okay. you, you should be okay. What I'd say is if we um, see a big freeze coming again, like what we had after you've planted those, um, just throw a few sheets on top of them. But I really hope that we're done with it. Yeah. And I, I okay. the forecast looks like we are. Yeah. Perennials don't have the same sort of tenderness. Was um, that we have them inside right now, and we've been, you know, keeping them watered and alive, and they're doing very well, of course, Mm -hmm. by a window. Mm -hmm. But um, would you, how would you transition those from being inside a house, you know, keeping them nice and warm? outside ready to plant is that going to shock them yeah do you want to harden them up i know uh, garden plants you do you right you generally kind of give them you know a few hours every day yeah i i don't think there should be a huge issue with that with them being perennials um and they were hardened off before they're used to up and down temperatures it's just what you know perennials are used to that um okay so i don't think there would be too much problems but what you could do is just set them outside today and okay you know and um just kind of keep an eye on them if they start to get a little wilty or anything like that you know maybe move them to less sunlight oh it's cloudy never mind yeah. <laughs> well it, um, <laughs> actually it's supposed to we're supposed to get a little sunshine yeah this afternoon so so just putting them out there today before you fully plant them um will help kind of but i don't think they they should transition pretty easily yeah i wouldn't worry about it at all okay 
Well, thank you so much for your help. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Good luck with the new garden. Yeah, and yeah. thanks for listening, Rick. Yeah, thank you. A lot of digging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> It'll be worth it, though. It'll be totally worth it. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, you know, yep. you just, you know, you put all your time and energy into putting perennials in so you don't have to mess with it next year except for all the weeds that are going to show up. <laughs> well, that's what I loved yeah. about him mentioning the ground cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. It's going to, plants are going to grow anywhere that you don't plant something that you want there. So right. th- those ground covers are really keep the weed pressure down a bit. Yeah. Right. Plus it just keeps uh, keeps everything a lot moisture. Yeah. Um, and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we tell people uh, we, forever and ever uh, that, you know, you need to this time of year, you got to watch the weather. And if it if it's going to if it's going to do a, a frost or, you know, especially freeze, a, even, you know, a medium to hard freeze to cover those plants mm-hmm. up. But and I noticed you said take a sheet or something and cover them up. Right. Well, is you know, what do uh, what what are what are good uh, choices and or not so good choices if there are any uh, for things to uh, you know makeshift emergency cover them up right so like yeah old sheets work really well um, but the thing and and you can use you I've know, seen buckets pla- I've seen plastic mm-hmm. you know sheets of like uh, uh, painters oh, uh, yeah. plastic you know so the thing I would worry about with those is that the plant's gonna breathe but with all of these things so I know we had three nights of it. So yeah. people are like, well, I'll just leave it on because otherwise it's a lot of work. Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. want to. You want to uncover those during the day so that those plants can still get the, the airflow and the sunlight that they need. Um, so, you know, I hiked my little butt outside every yeah, night sure. and I covered them out and then I uncovered them the next morning. Right. Um, and so it, it is a, a little bit of work to do all of that, but... Um, it's better for the plants to let them get that sunlight during the day. So, um, but sheets will work, buckets will work. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the other issue with the painter's plastic could be solarizing those plants right. and making a little greenhouse that cooks them in the daytime. That's potentially. True That's true. You so, can actually kill grass if you want to mm-hmm. stake it down with clear plastic and mm-hmm. and just bake it. Yeah. You know, kill that yeah. root system that way. Right. So yeah. you want to be careful there. I know. I know. Uh, uh, Larry Germer, you said. Well, you know, if you really want to. You really got a bad spot that you know with a lot of weeds. Just get yourself a big black mm-hmm. piece of plastic, yeah. and you know cover that spot up, and it'll pretty much take care of everything yeah. right. underneath it. But, right. Um, so th- there are there are better or you know a sheet mm-hmm. is really good because mm-hmm. it it does let it breathe in a little bit. Then the very first night, you know Monday night as we went from like. Monday night into Tuesday, I believe it was, is when you woke up and there was, here in February, there was about three inches of snow. You guys had a lot more yeah. than we did. And then. the further south you went, they got three to five inches of snow. Okay. And so my my wife and I were talking about it, and she says, well, are you, would that, will they be okay with the snow, you know, uh, on top of the covering? And I said, well, probably it might actually keep it a little bit warmer with that blanket of snow i was just guessing it does insulate plants yeah and so like one of the things like you can notice it right now is like the forsythias are blooming where the snow cover was this year yeah they're not blooming higher than that and it's because they were insulated down underneath that snow um and so we're we're seeing some of that kind of situation but it, it actually does protect it and even like my roses they died where their snow wasn't from the real cold in February, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but below yeah. where the snow actually covered, they are coming back and looking really good. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's that insulation from the snow. Actually, when we hit that negative 
what was it, negative 23, negative 30, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it went down to about 30, 29, 30, yeah. So at that point, anything that was covered, it was good that we had that snow cover. Had we not had that snow cover, we would have had a lot more damage yeah. to those plants. Yeah. Now, the problem with um, this last weekend was that, you know, you put the sheet on there, and then it snows three inches on top of that. That's heavy weight because that was a heavy snow. I mean, yes, it was, yeah. it was a wet snow. Yeah. Um, and so that can sometimes do some damage, breaking branches, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think you'd be better off doing that than leaving it. Yeah. Um, and so that's where, you know, if you're worried about breaking branches like a bucket would work or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I think one of my um, one of my colleagues said he went and bought some of those like um, the, the big uh, like Rubbermaid tub kind of things yeah. oh. and put yeah. those over some new perennials he had planted this yeah. year just to make sure that they stayed safe i don't know through. why a, just a, a regular cardboard box wouldn't work to tell you the truth yeah and, it know. would because even with the snow it wasn't going to like disintegrate right. from that you've got so. you got the flaps and mm -hmm. you can throw a brick on the flaps keep them from blowing blowing right. away and that's right. you know the other thing you want to make sure you put something on top of not on top of the plant but like like the where i covered some of my plants i had a sheet over them and i just put a brick on the ends right so the, yeah to so keep it in place sure. gotta keep some bricks laying around Right. Well, when I first was going to do this, I was like, well, I got that sheet. And I was like, I don't know where I have a brick. But then I remembered I have a big pile of landscape bricks. Yeah. <laughs> so I right. used some of those. <laughs> 402-729-3383. 402 That's uh, the phone number here on Yard and Garden Live. If you got a question, uh, chances are we can get you an answer on Yard and Garden Live with Nicole Stoner. Gage County Extension Educator, and uh, Graham Herps, who is with the Nebraska Forest Service. You are a forester with the Nebraska Forest Service, right? Yes. Where's your Where's your office, Graham? Um, I'm uh, I office out of Douglas County. Okay. At the Extension office. Sure. Uh, we're all kind of university family there, and our our state agencies in the university. Some state foresters are in the Department of Roads or other less glamorous. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> corners of the government but yeah. uh yeah it's it's great to be in in the extension office where everything's going on the master gardeners coming and going and yeah uh yeah so it's nice to be plugged in that way all right have you uh had a, anybody take you over to the steel Ki city canyons road uh between here and steel city uh to see the the cedar red yeah, cedars you have yeah i've i've, <laughs> I've driven those county roads and checked out those yeah. trees pretty cool huh it's very neat yeah i still think it's got to be a rocky soil situation no Something it has like that has, be it has it has has something to do with the uh et people <laughs> extraterrestrial yeah <laughs> i'm sure of it i'm not sure quite. Of it. i'm quite. sure of it uh, let's go to the phone from lewiston here is john hi john hi how's it going not bad uh you have a question yes so my wife and i planted our flowers we planted some daffodils and tulips last fall mm -hmm. and they aren't coming up we uh we recently bought some soil from uh, Orslands and put in our flower bed, but we can't get anything to come up, and we had the same problem last year also. Hmm. So you, you planted the bulbs. When did you? Yep. You said last fall, so like October or when? Uh, yeah, September, October. Okay. Have you done any mm -hmm. watering in the area? Uh, some, but not, not overly watering, I wouldn't say. And you said you added soil. Did you add soil before putting the tulips and daffodils in or after? Uh, last year, we had we just used the soil that was in there, and then they didn't come up. So this year, we tried new soil, 
and they still didn't come up. What 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 did you do with the with the with the bulbs when you did you take the bulbs out and then put new soil in and then put the bulbs back in? Uh, we just got new bulbs to put in there. Oh, you got new ones. Okay. Yep. Yep. And you pointed them. You planted them with the pointy end up, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. When did you purchase the bulbs? Oh, I don't know. Just before we were gonna okay. plant them. Okay. Okay. Because sometimes they're at the stores, like now, and so then we buy mm-hmm. them now, and then we hold on to them till then, and they dry mm-hmm. out and things like that. Um, I, and I don't know. You know, it's not really necessary to know where you purchased them, but were mm-hmm. they still, like, they weren't dried out, right, or moldy or anything like that? They were in good condition. No, they look. They look. I, I guess like a healthy bulb. Yeah, firm and hard and. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And where did you purchase them? For, or I mean, um, where did what kind of sunlight is? Uh, it's on the south of a house. Hmm. So, so there should be plenty of sunlight. There should be. Yeah. Yeah. I got two wild ideas. Okay, because I'm not thinking of any <laughs> wild neither. ideas. So you go with yours. First, I'm wondering about planting depth. Oh, good one. Maybe we had them a little deep in the ground, and either they're just not. Mm-hmm. making it to the soil surface. Maybe they've started growing and just you can't see them emerging from the ground yet and they're a little deep. Okay. Uh, but usually the bulbs come with some pretty, sim- I mean, you know, six inches or so is pretty typical for lots, some a little shallower than mm-hmm. that. But do you that was know, one thought. Do you know how deep you planted them? Oh, I'd say shallowest probably four. And yeah. Probably deepest around seven, I'd say, inches. And so the the good rule of thumb for bulbs is twice as deep as the bulb is I, high. Yeah. Like the, oh, okay. the bulb height go like two bulbs down. Mm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I okay. like that. Yeah. You know the the what was your you had another idea? The other one okay. I, I'm wondering about critters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know of, of any that actually go after the bulbs themselves. Um, mm-hmm. and, and squirrels do. Do they? I think yeah. You'll see squirrels will like dig them up. Um, and do some damage there. Other than that, I'm not Daffodils are pretty deer-proof. I I don't think that deer browse on daffodils particularly. Tulips they would probably really enjoy, though. Yeah, do you have a lot of squirrels or or any wildlife around? Oh, I guess, yeah. So squirrels can sometimes dig them up and do some damage. I know that. The thing is, John, we don't really get this question very often, so it's kind of (laughs) out of the, you know, it's kind of out of the, out of the... Did you... Well, did you try digging around where you planted them That's to what see I wondered. if the bulb is still there and intact? When you, mm. you, when I, you, I didn't. I guess like last year when we did them, it, it seemed like they were coming up, and then they just ended up dying. And I don't think it was from an over like overwatering them or anything. And so we had soil test samples, like soil samples pulled, and the soil soil test results looked good. So I didn't. I guess. That's when we ripped out the soil and put new in. Hmm. So you did see some growth off out of them last year, and then they just kind of quit. Yep. Yep. So that's when we did the soil test to okay. see if there's anything in there, you know, for like nutrients or anything was out of whack. Nicole, are, are bulbs like this sensitive to agricultural drift ever? Uh, could be, I guess. It could be. I don't get a lot of calls on that, but... Typically, when like tulips and daffodils are out, it's not the 
the right. weather conditions that we would see a lot of drift. You know, two four D and those types of products are going to drift when we've got eighty eighty five degrees mm-hmm. or more, mm-hmm. and by then most of your tulip yeah. is done. Did you? <clears throat> so wait, so you just planted them last fall, so this would be when they mm-hmm. first start growing, and you're not getting any growth mm-hmm. at all. No, nothing. No, I'm, you know, it might I, be early. I don't know. Uh, it depends on the tulip. Some of our know. tulip varieties are a little slower, but you should be seeing daffodils. Yeah, yeah. Daf- you should be my seeing daffod- at least leaves. My daffodils are done, and my daffodils were lower later than some daffodils. Right, and and that's what I was, well I kind of figured I'd at least see the daffodils and the tulips. Or, or at least some leaf growth or something. Mm-hmm, right. Well, if you're not finding any bulbs below ground, some people have been successful with staking down chicken wire mm-hmm. over the ground Yep. just to keep anything yeah. that wants to dig for right. those sort of things from getting to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- so okay. the, the, you put like a, like a put it in like a sheet over top of the bulbs and then put the soil on top of that. And what that does is as the squirrel tries to dig, it kind of hurts his hands. Yeah. Well, makes the, makes hands, it a little harder. A little <laughs> pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you probably can learn a lot by, you know, if you wait, wait a while, and it, it, you're not even seeing any shoots coming up, right? Nothing this year. Okay. And this is the year that we put the new soil okay. in. Okay. Uh, what kind of soil did you use? Uh, just the normal, like, top soil, potting soil, I guess, that you'd get. The bags. Yep, yeah, the but bag. But it, it wasn't potting soil. It was topsoil? It was the topsoil, I guess, okay. is what we used. Okay. Yeah, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't use potting soil in, no. like, outside. The top, yeah, the topsoil is what we used. We got that in bags. Okay. Well, you, what, I'm, what I'm getting at, you might want to uh, go out and, and dig around and, and look and see, uh, is the bulb even still there? Mm-hmm. Um, Are they mushy and rotten? Yeah, right. uh, or maybe maybe you'll find one and you'll see that it's it is actually sprouting and it just hasn't sprouted enough yet to get to the top. Kind of find okay. out. I, it's like all the farmers I've ever known go out there. You know, after they planted corn, I don't know how many weeks you go. They go out and then they you know they dig them up and they they see how you know what the root system is looking like and the it, what kind of a sprouts coming out. So you might. Might check that, and you know if you can't find any, any, any of your bulbs that you planted, you pretty much know what's happening. Somebody's getting mm-hmm. in there and eating them and pulling them off and dragging them away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll try that then. All right. Let us know what you find out. Yeah, yeah. And, good, and good luck. All righty, thank you. All right. Really haven't heard much. No, and about I, it. I don't think that the cold temperatures would have affected that. Be, even though they were just planted last year, but it shouldn't have because they they were deep in the ground and with the snow cover and that. I don't think that that would harm them. Um, well, I mean, that's kind of how it, they regenerate themselves anyway. Right. Right? Is, you know, over the winter and they kind of hunker down. and You might have some shallow water tables. Maybe, and maybe it's I mean, not that away. shallow, though. That'd be pretty shallow. That's a bulb right like, below ground. Yeah, I feel like you would notice that. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> it's a good thought, though. I get where you're going with it. I get where you're going with it. 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. So what can we be putting in our gardens this weekend? It's going to be nice. Let's get out and do some planning. Can we do that? Yes Can we no. put green beans in? No. Doggone it. I would spinach. wait on that. 
You could do Solid like your greens. spinach, your lettuce, those cool season crops if you had radishes and Got they didn't make it through go, yeah. or haven't planted them yet. Kohlrabi, mm-hmm. if you're a fan of that. Yep. Um, so those, those kinds of, yeah, those kinds of plants you can plant. I would hold off still on the summer crops. Yes, tech, well, let's see. Technically, we're not out of our frost-free range until next week, but I still would, would hold off a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, you don't want to get too excited on those warm season crops because they don't like this temperature. Even if you were to put them in right now, it's, they're not going to really so, do anything. No, it's, so it's not cold, like you're going to get gonna... get green beans early no. if you plant them early, huh? You don't no. get much of a jump start even if you yeah. are right. successful. Right. Yeah. I know some people put like um, plants in with like the wall of water on the tomatoes and stuff, yeah. and that can can help um, a little bit. But I still would. Next weekend, maybe. The little milk jugs with the yeah. bottom cut off. Yeah. 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 You just got to be careful when you're using those that you don't leave them on too long. Yeah. Um, because I often see where it's, you know, 90 degrees out and we've still got, you know, f- plastic wrap around the cages or those milk jugs around them or cans around them or whatever. And those are fine at the beginning to get them a little more heat. But once it starts to get too hot, you're going to cook your plants yeah. in those. Yeah. So you've got to be careful with those that make sure you take them off soon enough. Yep. All For right. sure. We uh, will be back with more of your phone calls. We're going to take another time out back after this. Remember, 402-729-3383. And we are back. We being Nicole Stoner. And, of course, uh, we also have, from the Nebraska Forest Service, Graham Herbst, to answer any questions you might have uh, at 402-729-3383. Oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, we have callers. We must get to. Uh, first of all, Dave from Hanover, we see you there on line three, but you uh, have one person in front of you, and that is Clayton from Shickley. Hi, Clayton. How's it going? Pretty good. You got a question? Yes, I do. I was just wondering with how the the weather's been going with the freezing and snow, were, were we going to end up with a bad crop of apples and fruit trees this year, or what does it look like? It's one of those could be, yeah, maybe, and uh, it all depends. Is yeah, that right? Kind it, of? It really does. Um, it depends on where those buds were in their development and how it was hit by that frost and those freezing temperatures. Um, and we talked earlier where we weren't, none of us are actually hundred percent positive of where those blooms were in their development stage. Um, so do you, I, do you grow any of those? Yes, we do. Which ones do you have? Uh, just a couple apples some cherries some pears and peaches. Okay. And so where were they at in their flowering? Were they all full flower or were they just buds or were they done flowering? Full flower. <clears throat> Full flower on most of them? On, on especially the apples, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good, you know. It, it, can, um, it can really harm um, their development when they're hit while they're flowering. Right. Um, it's really, as Nicole mentioned earlier, it's really those peaches that are a little bit more touchy. Uh, they... They tend to come out and bloom uh, with just the slightest little tease of warm weather like we got already. So um, 
Mm-hmm. Because the, they're really not. They don't do that good in Nebraska anyway, right? Peaches. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a roll of the dice with peaches in Nebraska for most of the state. But you you uh, you really didn't, you didn't have peaches. You had cherries. He had some peaches. Did mm-hmm. you have peaches? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but how about the cherries then? I th- I don't think that's going to be as much of a problem. Again, it's all more about the the little microclimate that you have for for the plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in it- Italy, they would actually do fruit trees with small uh low walls maybe six foot tall stone walls that they would paint white and that would create this kind of really bright uh microclimate that was protected a little bit um but you know there plant the just the context in the landscape your buildings and trees and exposure all creates little differences that are going to affect when those flowers actually emerge from their buds and start to do their thing so that's that's what it's more about than what type of fruit trees that you have, we need to know where those flowers were at in their development. So you can really answer that for yourself, getting back out and taking a closer look maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, what I'm um, looking at, most of your damage is going to uh, occur at 28 degrees or below. And we did, I think, hit that a few yeah, days. Yeah, we did. I think um, so too. So that's where I think, um, doing some uh, research here, I think that that's 28 degrees uh, will result in about a 10% loss, and 24 degrees will um, have a 90% loss. But it's depending on where it's at in that bloom stage. So at or near the bloom stage, that's where the critical temperatures are. So being that we were in full bloom, um, and and it may cause um, that June drop to mm. occur. I think that's where the, sometimes you'll see that where the, the apples will start to develop, and then in like June they just drop all those fruits Paul used to tell me about that one. Mm. Um, Sad. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it at this point, or really, I mean, you don't have a giant sheet to put over over your fruit trees, right? So, um, so you can't do really anything for it. It's just kind of a wait and see. But I would guess we would probably be reduced fruit, if nothing else. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, Clayton, not a total loss, right? Oh, yeah, that's better than what happened last year. So. All right. Okay. Thank you uh, for the call, Clayton. We appreciate it. This is Dave from Hanover. Hello, Dave. Yes, I'll try to make this real quick. Going back to the uh, tulip question. Sure. We planted uh, some tulips in a in a circle where it had been an old tree stump, and uh, planted after I planted them. Planted them last fall. And uh, probably about the end of October, I think. It was in October. Anyway, then I put a hail screen and some screen wire that I'd found, some chicken wire, mm-hmm. over the top. And then I, and then I weighted, it and weighted them down with, with big limestone rocks, but not, not above where the, the bulbs were. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then I left it there all winter because we have problems with, with uh, squirrels and we also have a groundhog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this spring then, uh, when I sensed that they were, uh, I saw some of them peeking through the soil, the leaves, mm-hmm. I took the screen wire off, and we have tulips blooming. Mm-hmm. Hmm. My tulips uh, are blooming. Of them. Yeah. yeah, my tulips and, are blooming. So that's, that's my story. <laughs> and <laughs> you're, sticking, and to you're sticking to it, huh? Yeah. And okay. I, I don't think you need to dig the, the wire up. They should grow through that. Yeah. Um, so that's oh. why we use a chicken wire because it's it won't affect the plant. 
So you can leave that on so you don't have to dig that up every year and dig it back yeah. in every year. Well, I didn't I didn't put it underneath the soil. I put it on top of oh, the soil. Oh, okay. That would work too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, and so on top of the soil, maybe it would be a little more likely to affect the foliage as it emerges. And right. so he might have been right. better to take yep. it off. Yep, in that case, for sure. But, but if you have them right down by the bulbs where they're just going to poke through right mm -hmm. away. Yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. But yeah, in your case, yeah, you would want to remove it. But that, yeah. So it works pretty good for you. So there's one vote for maybe the mm -hmm. critters that yeah. need to be controlled. Yeah. All right, Dave, thanks. Okay, you're welcome. You bet. You know, that's great because a lot of times we'll get a call and it's like n nobody can figure out what's going on. But then a listener will go, well, you know, this happened to me and it could have been this. And you go, yeah, maybe that was it. So everybody yeah. learning from everybody else. That's right. Four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. 402-729-3383. It's our phone number on Yard and Garden Live. Man, I'm, this just popped right along here this morning. Had some great phone calls. And uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, soil temperatures. We'd, Nicole had been, well, every week she would keep her eye on the soil temperatures. And what happened uh, to our soil temperatures this week? It, it plummeted. <laughs> that doesn't surprise we me. We were at, what, 50 52, 53, yeah, I, think so. I think 50, last week. 52 or 53. It's 47 now. So yeah. it dropped a lot. So, um, and you know, even if, um, if you didn't have your crabgrass control on before last week and some crabgrass had germinated prior to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's dead now. Those freezing temperatures and snow would have killed anything that germinated. Oh, so you're okay. still fine um, to wait on the crabgrass control. Remember, we're waiting till it's within 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, for soil temperature for a week-long average. And what that does is um, ensures that your crabgrass control is on the latest that it, you know, when it's effective so that it lasts longer. Because putting it on real early in March or, or early April, it doesn't really hurt anything, but it starts to break down as soon as you put that out. So, it, you know, with it breaking down like that, then it's going to wear off sooner, and then you'll have crabgrass germinating later in the year. All right. Very good. 402-729-3383, Yard and Garden Live, here on this Friday morning, the week before Arbor Day, uh, taking your calls at 402-729-3383. Nicole Stoner, Graham Herbst, uh, taking, uh, taking calls this morning. If you have a question, uh, you know where to get an answer, or to begin getting answers anyway, right here on Yard and Garden Live. And let me see, we have from Lincoln, uh, Judy went away. Judy, Judy, you got hung up on or cell phone dropped or something. Uh, call right back and we can get you back in. 402-729-3383. 402-729-3383. We either cut you off or we just lost your signal. If you want to call back, please do. Uh, I had a question from... Uh, uh, a listener wanted to know about uh, if it made, if plants, obviously some are more susceptible to the cold weather that, you know, you wanted to uh, mm -hmm. cover them up uh, the first of this week. Uh, how about some of our ground cover type uh, uh, plants, such like phlox? Uh, mm -hmm. The uh, the phlox is pretty much in bloom right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Uh, does uh, the cold weather get to flocks and, and cause a lot of problems? I would say the blooms may have 
faded pretty quick afterwards or probably faded mm-hmm. pretty quick afterwards mm-hmm. but the plant itself is going to be just fine okay um and i know i'm i've got columbines out in my yard or in my landscape and they're probably pretty similar hardiness and they may turn a little blackish on the top and i remember last year um when because actually i was um doing some other work and last year at almost the same time we were just finishing up with that big snowstorm and then we had the really excessively cold weather afterwards um and my columbines turned a little blackish but they grew right out of it and you wouldn't even have known later on in the summer that that they had any damage and so that's what you may see on some of your plants um and i think that's what this person was because of their their flocks and i think it was like this is the first year we've had blooms and you know uh, and I said, well, if you, you know, it's not going to hurt to cover them up. Right. I don't know. It would, it would, uh, definitely injure the blooms, but they may rebloom too. You know, once, once, you know, just cut off the, de- the, if you didn't cover them and they, ter- they would have turned like blackish mm. or brown and just looked really bad. And so you can cut those off and it may, um, push some new blooms depending on the plant. Um, and so, but the plant itself is going to be just fine. Just like with the peonies, the plant itself is going to survive that, that temperature right. and everything, but the blooms may not. And that's, it, it, that's the biggest problem. It, and you know, you're right because we, we had this conversation mm-hmm. last year about the peonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people had in our listening area had peonies that their little heads were just, you know, Mush. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. they were drooping while other people, their peonies were just fine. I think mine uh, actually did have some damage, but then uh, others came in and, and still bloomed. Mm-hmm. We had some blooms, not the ones that were right bent, you know, with their heads down. But And that's due to, like Graham had said on another caller, that microclimate. So the climate around your peony mm-hmm. is different from the climate around somebody else's. Um, just based on where they are around the house, what else is growing around them to protect them, how much mulch they have, those kinds of things are going to make a difference in the development of that bloom. So that's why some blooms are further along than others um, and would see more damage than others. Yeah. So I know I um, I I looked at a few different peonies and they were all in different stages of that development. So yeah. yeah. All right, four zero two seven two nine three three eight three. Forty-seven degrees is the temperature in your ground today, uh, and uh, that's uh, dropped quite a bit from last week. And we're not going to drop any further. We're just going to—it's going back up. We're going to keep going up. Now we're on. into spring. I've decided. Yep, we are. Of course, are I said that in March too. So Man. maybe I should quit saying I decided that <laughs> we're moving on. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't even remember what we heard on uh, Groundhog Day about the fort. The, oh, the, did uh, he say? I don't remember what the groundhog predicted either. I don't pay much attention to it. I think he saw his it, shadow. Maybe he was right this year. I don't remember. Anyways. Anybody who gets their, uh, gets their direction from a rodent is, <laughs> doesn't have good sense, I don't think. Right, mm-hmm. right. But that snow cover really plays into all this, mm-hmm. and that's part of why mulch is helpful. Right. Because with a nice layer of two to four inches of mulch on the ground, you're buffering those soil temperatures so they don't fluctuate and get really hot right. when we have these warm-ups. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. really helpful. Right. Yeah, and then when it does get really, really hot, your mulch is keeping your roots cooler, mm-hmm. damper, uh, keeps the moisture in. Mm-hmm. Uh, important stuff. But mulch. no volcanoes. But no volcanoes. Yeah. no volcanoes. Don't want any volcanoes. Yep. Let's talk to Wayne and Beatrice. Hi, Wayne. 
Hi. Um, I have a question about a red oak tree. Um, I planted this tree about, um, oh, about five, six years ago, and it has grown well. It's got about a six-inch trunk on it and about 15 foot tall, and it looks healthy every year. Um, the leaves look good on it, but I noticed um, this year that uh, down about, oh, the bottom two foot of the trunk, um, there's quarter-inch holes. I've got about four uh, quarter-inch holes in the trunk, and I stuck a wire in one of them, and they go about an inch deep. Mm. And I can't figure out what's causing it. I've never seen any bugs or worms on the tree, and they just they don't seem like woodpecker-type things because they're pretty low down on the bark. Right. That is kind of bizarre. Um there are wood boring insects that that will go into red oak. Most wood boring insects are sort of the cleanup crew of the forest. If you want to think about it that way, they can tell when uh, they can tell when trees are stressed and compromised. Uh, trees have defenses that are um, better sometimes than when they're in good health than than others. Uh, down low on the ground is not usually an initial entry point for most of those things that I'm aware of. Are you seeing okay. that sawdust like frass uh, below the holes outside on the ground below the tree? Um, no, immediately no. below those holes. No, there, no, there's never anything like that. And and so it's is it hard to tell how long the holes have been there? Um, they were there last year. I know a couple of the holes were, and then I noticed another one this year, but. And that's the one I stuck the wire in, um, and it's about an inch deep. It's up about two foot on the trunk, and um, when I pulled it back out, the wire had some black, sticky stuff on it, and I don't know if that's maybe the sap from the tree or what. Yeah, or some some guts of, you know, <laughs> that, that immature kind of well, grub-like <clears throat> stage that they yeah, do. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. So... Um, a couple options. Well, I'm, we, we, can, we can say we definitely have some sort of wood-boring insect in the tree. Uh, that much is, is pretty clear. Uh, you said they're about mm -hmm. the size of maybe like a pencil eraser or bigger uh, than that. Yeah, yeah, just about that size. Yeah, okay. So we, we don't have everything we need to know about what product and what time of year, uh, but if you want to protect this tree and, uh, you know, kill any wood-borne insects that are in there, there are systemic insecticides that can be put in the tree so that as they feed on that tissue, they're eating an insecticide as well. So yeah. in, in a perfect world, those get injected into the tree so that the tree itself has that insecticide present and it's not in and around the landscape uh, killing things that you're not trying to kill. Uh, yeah. But for a homeowner, usually there's uh, soil drenches that are either a granular that you water in around the base of the tree or a product that you mix in a bucket and then uh, kind of dump around the base of the tree there for the tree to take up from the root system and spread it out oh, okay. throughout the whole canopy of the tree. So um, talk to your garden center about what you're seeing. Maybe take some photos in with you. Um, any kind of evidence that will help determine what sort of insect might be there. But, um, yeah, generally if you want to fight that, um, that's how you're going to kill the insects. But the broader question okay. still remains about
why the tree may be stressed and susceptible huh. to this wood boring insect. Mm -hmm. So, um, are you watering it at all? Oh yeah, it gets it gets it gets quite a bit of water. I have underground sprinklers. Plus, I've last year I put the hose on them. Some of my younger trees, um, it it just don't appear stressed. You know, the tree looks beautiful. I mean, it gets thick, lots of leaves, and the leaves look healthy. And that's what has me puzzled about it. How's your lawn look? Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's great, nice isn't green. it? Right. So sometimes um, those those fertilizer programs for lawns can uh, stimulate the trees excessively, uh, and they're they're taken out of the driver's seat on their growth rate a little bit, and, and uh, putting more energy into growth and less into those defense mechanisms that they have for for insects oh. and disease problems. So um, you could you could consider at least uh, trying a, a less intensive program for a little while as well as treat the tree for the insect issue that you see and again we may need a little bit more detective work on what bug we're dealing with but mm -hmm. uh, one way or another uh, a, a systemic insecticide would be the way to control that insect if you want to uh, but you know doing a little bit more work on on the landscape on what might be making that insect so easily getting in there okay yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yep, and good luck. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. You can find certified arborists at the at Nebraska Arborist Association website or the uh, Midwest chapter of International Society of Arboriculture. It's a lot of oh. jargon there. Um, <laughs> maybe we could send a link out or yeah. something. Yeah. I'll put one on uh, when I do the blog. Wonderful. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Let's uh, talk to Charlie. Charlie's over in Plymouth and yes. got a question. Go ahead, Charlie. Okay. My question is, and it's about the old days, when they, in, in Kansas, when they uh, homesteaded, they planted Osage Orange for fences. Yes. And how did they, how did they plant those? Was that, did they have seedlings? Or seed, or what? What is? Uh, what was the uh, way those were planted? Well, Osage orange. Uh, it's also called hedge, by some people, right. as another common name. Uh, it, Bow dark. It, it, yeah, there you go. Bow dark. Yep. It's a, <laughs> I, Fran it's a French I, term. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bow dark. Uh, so it, it it can it's it, it is a tree that can be propagated by cuttings. It's not real easy, so you kind of need a you know some some equipment, a mist bench, and that sort of thing. So I think either buying the you know bare root trees from a nursery, or um, seed by seed, I think is successful as well. If you can get those those hedge apples, as they call them, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the the grocery stores even sell those in the fall. Really? Yeah. Uh, and again, you need to do a little research on how to uh, germinate um, from seed, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I, I would... The softball size things we're talking, right? Yeah. yeah. They sell those at stores because they're decorative oh. and because they're supposed, supposed to work to keep spiders and other things yeah. away, but it's uh, the research shows it does not work. No, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a concentrate you can get from right. those that is effective. That would be, yes, but you have to concentrate it. So just mm. putting the hedge apples on okay. your table isn't going to keep spiders out of your house. Okay. But, but for, so you, you want to plant a lot of Osage or... Uh, one or one or two trees 
No, I don't really want to plant any. I I was just curious as to how they were put how they were put in the ground because in in Kansas there was mile after mile of them that were put in for for that mm-hmm. was their hedge when they homesteaded. Right. Yeah. And and it's been it's been a curiosity of mine sure. to uh, figure how they did that because you know if you if you were going to put a if uh, if you were going to Quad uh, mm-hmm. six hundred and I mean one hundred and sixty acres. Uh, you know that takes <laughs> takes a lot of saplings <laughs> and, and right. uh, it does or hedge apples or whatever. Yeah. And I was just curious. Well, and I don't but know if we're on a. Is, is there some kind of a is is there some kind of a treatment that the that the hedge balls go through to before they'll uh, produce? I could I could find that answer for you, but I don't have it in my head. <laughs> um, sure I, yeah, I don't know if we're on a hard break shortly, Randy, but we I are. do have some interesting <laughs> yeah. history on Osage I can share maybe after the commercial break. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Hey, listen, thanks, thank you for the call, uh, Charlie. Uh, the inquiring Minds. We'll be right back with more Yard and Garden Live after this. All right, we are back. Yard and Garden Live, 402-729-3383. What? Well, isn't this, isn't this what we were just talking about? I don't know. Having money to oh, yeah. change yeah. the oh, light that's bulbs true. in yeah. This is for the love of money, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, off, off mic we were talking about. This is what right, we, we were. Uh, so uh, let's get the rundown here before we, before we go too far. Uh, for Charlie in Plymouth, who wanted to know... How those uh, hedgerow trees, mm-hmm. the hedge trees, how they get started? How do you uh, plant those pa- those babies? Yeah, so we're hearing from a others. USDA website. Too. Yeah, yeah, that they, you know, settlers would just see those seedlings sprouting in the landscape and transplant them when they were really small, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You just kind of <coughs> let let nature germinate those seed, right? And then you move them at a really early stage, right? And, and you can do that on your own, from what I was reading from the USDA NRCS, uh, that, um, you know, if you pick up those hedge apples, let them kind of rot a little bit, and then just kind of run them through, like, um, some water to get the seeds out, and then you can plant the seeds that way, too. But that's what nature's doing. If you're letting them, uh, because they were letting the hedge apples fall, and then develop into the new seeds. So it's just nature doing that for you. Right. And, and that NRCS website, if, it, if we looked at the native range for Osage Orange, it's kind of interesting because it's a pretty small area that the tree actually occurs in the country. And the reason that that's so small now, and we know that it used to be much more widespread, is because you know before the last glaciation period, about 12,000 years ago, we had megafauna. We had mastodons, mammoths, things like that that would actually eat something like that, make their way down the road, and deposit that seed widely huh. and we don't have those large animals around helping the, the tree spread its native range we do not so the osage uh native tribe was able to sort of create a monopoly around the trade of that wood because of how narrowly right. distributed the tree was <laughs> that's the extent of what i know about it i'm sure it's even yeah, more interesting that is than interesting. that yeah. yeah all right well listen more osage orange talk uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. We have uh, a couple of calls. We have Robert from Fairbury standing by. Before him is Cindy over in Blue Springs. Hi, Cindy. Yeah. 
I, I treated my lawn with a weed and feed, mm-hmm. and it had trimic in it. Uh, how long after when I apply that I can put new grass seed down? Oh, the label will tell you um, if it's a trimic product. Oh, my brain is not working right now, and I want to say it's longer than you want it to be. I think the label will tell you how long you have to wait to overseed that. So do you still have the the label? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at that label, it'll tell you how long to wait. I want to say you probably can't overseed this spring. Oh, really? I want to say that uh, the time frame is going to not line up with the timing of when you can seed the lawn. <clears throat> so when did you apply this weed and feed? About two weeks ago. Yeah. So that's, so I would, I'd have to look at the label to know for sure. Cause each of those are going to be a little bit different. Um, but Do they the, have a pre-emergent in it. Is that what it is? Well, no, you just don't want to use, um, chemicals and then overseed the lawn. Um, sorry, without seeing the label, I'm not positive on that, but it will tell I'll you read, in there. I'll read the label. It'll then. tell you how long you can, um, until you can overseed. But um, our window for overseeding is, you know, it's really the month of April is best. But with it being so cool, you might be okay a couple weeks into May. And you might, the Trimec might be okay just a couple weeks later. But you'd have to look at that on what that time frame is. I apologize. I can't remember offhand what that is. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And here's Robert from Fairbury. And we also have a question from Wilma. We're going to answer that. But go ahead, Robert. Yeah, this has to do with uh, bagworms. I've heard because of the low temperatures we had for an extended period that they might not be such a problem this year. Is that right? We're hoping. <laughs> yeah, populations of insects like bagworms can fluctuate based mm-hmm. on uh, annual temperature and how the things swing up and down. Mm-hmm. So, And I, I read an article from Iowa State that said 24 hours with one degree will kill uh, what it was it seventy five percent of the population of mm. the the uh, the eggs in the bag, and so we were lower than that for more than twenty four hours. So I'm hoping we're going to get a pretty decent kill on that. So. Yeah. Okay. I but have one more. We'll question. never know till it happens, right? Yeah. Go ahead, Robert. <laughs> I mean, that answered my first one. So uh, anyway, uh, I have some small oak trees from oh three to uh, seven foot tall. And it appears that deer, they're in a rural area, it appears that deer have been nipping off the buds. Mm. Is that, will they do that? Um, I suppose so, yeah. I'm used to hearing about deer rubbing on, on young trees and damaging the trunks. Yeah, I don't have that. I just, it looks like they've been nipping them right off. What kind of tree again did you say? What's that? What kind of tree did you Oak. say? Oaks. Oaks. And then are you seeing the little branches below the tree? Uh, I, well, I trimmed the trees up this winter, and so I'm trying to kind of coax everything upwards. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, everything there is reachable by a deer, and I don't you know, know what else would be doing it, because it wouldn't be any insects. But are they leaving the branch behind? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're so, just nipping the right off at the, and leaving the bud them below. pops out. Is it low enough a rabbit could do it? Uh, he'd better be able to climb like a squirrel, because <laughs> some of these it, are high up. Would it have been... Matter um, of fact, that you it, know, a deer, a small deer would have to stand on its hind legs to reach. So maybe squirrels, too. 
if Squirrels possible. will do that as well. Okay, I just kind of wonder, will I those mean, come back? Will it kill the tree? Or? It should be fine. There is also a uh, oak twig girdler. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, you can I've find got more. some spray that's supposed to kind of propel them. I'm going to try that and see what I can do there. So. Yeah, uh, uh, University Extension has some good information on twig girdler that I've uh, found with a quick search on my phone here. So, yeah, um, that, that's a possibility, especially if you're seeing those branches still left behind. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hopefully they'll come back. Yeah, you bet. I agree. They we'll, should, we'll be rooting for you. Yeah, they, <laughs> They'll be fine. They <laughs> should be okay. Um, but, yeah, so the twig girdler or probably squirrels would be the two that I would think that's going to leave the branch behind. But yeah. I know we've had yeah. we've Alrighty. had quite a bit of problems with rabbits doing that this year, too. Okay. Yeah. So, But if it's too high, then it's probably not a rabbit. They, right. They don't uh, tend to jump. Too well, well, it could be those <laughs> new helicopter rabbits. It could yeah. be. could be. Now, <laughs> now, uh, All righty. Well, that answers my questions, I guess. So appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, you betcha. You bet, Robert. Thank you for calling. Uh, let me see. We're going to take a quick a quick break. Uh, Wilma, we're, we're going to get you an answer. Wilma wants to know if a seed from a dead bridal bush can be replanted to grow. We'll find out right after this time out. And we are back with Yard and Garden Live. And we just couldn't keep her off the phone. She's got a question. She's going to get an answer right now. Well, this is. And I, only got, and I only got 30 seconds. <laughs> this, is a, this is a 40 or 50 year old uh, bridal bush, uh-huh. and it's dead. Okay. And it's coming up from volunteers on the ground. Are those okay to keep? Yeah. Yeah, they'll grow fine. Oh, they bloom? They should, Eventually. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's all I wanted to know. I thought I knew the answer, but I thought I'd, you know. We're back to Osage Orange. You're just digging yeah. up the seedlings and putting them where you want them. It might be growing back from the roots, and I don't know why the big one died, but I would at least give it a chance. It, it, if the big one died dead. from a root issue, if the main, main plant died from a root issue, then probably not. Um, but otherwise... They'll probably be just fine. If they're coming up and looking green and good, I think I would just use and them. And they're coming all around it, so I'm sure that's seed. Cool. Could be, yeah, yeah. Very nice. So, okay. They yeah. should Thanks, be just Nicole. fine. Yep, no problem. <laughs> no, and Randy. Oh, I wondered. I was waiting for that, Norm. <laughs> see, you just were trying and to I'll do it again. And I'll be in church on Sunday. All right. We'll save you a spot. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Wilma. Oh, my. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of Yard and Garden Live for another week. We won't be back next Friday. We will be uh, doing uh, the St. Jude radio thing Mm -hmm. next Thursday and Friday. But then when we come back uh, the first week of May, who do we have? We have Dick Campbell from Campbell's Nursery coming on. So that'll be good. Dick's got like, man. Whole lot of knowledge, Whole huh? Whole lot of knowledge. Crammed up in that in that head of his. So, uh, and a nice guy. Yeah. Very nice guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, so join us then for more Yard and Garden Live. And until then, keep it green and keep it growing.